0: This is day 36 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Numbers chapters 24 through 27 and Psalm 36. Lord God, we are glad to be with you this morning. Thank you for allowing us a new day of life with your fresh mercy and your fresh grace on us. We are humbled, Lord, by the fact that you care so much for us as individuals and not just as a race of people. Lord, thank you for making us in your image. Thank you for giving us intelligence and a discerning will. And Lord, may it be honorable in your sight. May we choose you over this world that you created, over the evil that is in our hearts. Lord God, thank you for all the things that you do for us, that we so often take for granted. Please bestow your mercy upon us and grant us peace in our day. Please bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to seek omens, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping, tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him. He took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down, yet having his eyes uncovered. How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens beside the river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from his buckets, and his seed will be by many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He will devour the nations who are his adversaries, and will crush their bones in pieces, and shatter them with his arrows. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who dares rouse him? Blessed is everyone who blesses you and cursed is everyone who curses you. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, but behold, you have persisted in blessing them these three times. Therefore, flee to your place now. I said I would honor you greatly, but behold, the Lord has held you back from honor. Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you had sent to me, saying, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything contrary to the command of the Lord, either good or bad, of my own accord? What the Lord speaks, that I will speak. And now behold, I am going to my people. Come, and I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the days to come. He took up his discourse, and said, The oracle of Balaam the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down, yet having his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel, and shall crush through the forehead of Moab, and tear down all the sons of Sheph. Edom shall be a possession, Seir, its enemies, also will be a possession, while Israel performs valiantly. One from Jacob shall have dominion, and will destroy the remnant from the city. And he looked at Amalek, and took up his discourse, and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his end shall be destruction. And he looked at the Kenite, and took up his discourse, and said, Your dwelling place is enduring, and your nest is set in the cliff. Nevertheless, Cain will be consumed. How long will Ashur keep you captive? Then he took up his discourse, and said, Alas, who can live except God has ordained it? But ships shall come from the coast of Kittim, and they shall afflict Ashur and will afflict Eber. So they also will come to destruction. Then Balaam arose and departed and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot, with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were twenty-four thousand. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him, a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God, and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Now the name of the slain man of Israel, who was slain with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's household among the Simeonites. The name of the Midianite woman who was slain was Kozbi, the daughter of Zur, who was head of the people of a father's household in Midian. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Be hostile to the Midianites and strike them, for they have been hostile to you with their tricks, with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor and in the affair of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague because of Peor. Then it came about, after the plague, that the Lord spoke to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel from twenty years old and upward, by their fathers' households, whoever is able to go out to war in Israel. So Moses and Eleazar the priest spoke with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Take a census of the people from twenty years old and upward, as the Lord has commanded Moses. Now the sons of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt were Reuben, Israel's firstborn, the sons of Reuben, of Hanak, the family of the Hanakites, of Palu, the family of the Paluites, of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the family of the Carmites. These are the families of the Reubenites, and those who were numbered of them were forty-three thousand seven hundred thirty. The son of Palu, Eliab, the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. These are the Dathan and the Abiram who were called by the congregation, who contended against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah, when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up along with Korah, when that company died, when the fire devoured two hundred and fifty men, so that they became a warning. The sons of Korah, however, did not die. The sons of Simeon, according to their families, of Nemuel, the family of the Nemuelites, of Jamin, the family of the Jaminites, of Jakin, the family of the Jacobites, of Zerah, the family of the Zerahites; of Shaul, the family of the Shaulites. These are the families of the Simeonites, 22,200. The sons of Gad, according to their families, of Zephon, the family of the Zephanites, of Hagi, the family of the Haggites, of Shuni, the family of the Shunites, of Ozni, the family of the Oznites, of Ari, the family of the Arites, of Arad, the family of the Erudites, of Areli, the family of the Arelites. These are the families of the sons of Gad, according to those who were numbered of them 40,500. The sons of Judah were Ur and Onan, but Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Judah, according to their families, were of Shelah, the family of the Shelonites, of Perez, the family of the Perizzites, of Zerah, the family of the Zerahites. The sons of Perez were of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Hamul, the family of the Hamulites. These are the families of Judah, according to those who were numbered of them. 76,500. The sons of Issachar, according to their families. Of Tola, the family of the Tolites. Of Puva, the family of the Poonites. Of Jashub, the family of the Jashubites. Of Shimron, the family of the Shimronites. These are the families of Issachar, according to those who were numbered of them. 64,300. The sons of Zebulun, according to their families. Of Sered, the family of the Seredites. Of Elon, the family of the Elonites. Of Jalil the family of the Jalilites. These are the families of the Zebulonites, according to those who were numbered of them. 60,500. The sons of Joseph, according to their families. Manasseh and Ephraim. The sons of Manasseh. Of Machir, the family of the Macorites, And Machir became the father of Gilead. Of Gilead, the family of the Gileadites. These are the sons of Gilead, of Eazer, the family of the Eazerites, of Helech, the family of the Helekites, and of Azrael, the family of the Azraelites, and of Shechem, the family of the Shechemites, and of Shemida, the family of the Shemidites, and of Hefer, the family of the Hepherites. Now Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, had no sons, but only daughters and the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. These are the families of Manasseh, and those who were numbered of them were 52,700. These are the sons of Ephraim, according to their families. Of Shuthela, the family of the Shuthelahites. Of Beker, the family of the Bekerites. Of Tahan, the family of the Tahanites. These are the sons of Shuthela. Of Iran. the family of the Aranites. These are the families of the sons of Ephraim, according to those who were numbered of them. 32,500. These are the sons of Joseph, according to their families. The sons of Benjamin, according to their families. Of Bela, the family of the Belites. Of Ashbel, the family of the Ashbelites, of Ahiram, the family of the Ahiramites, of Shephufam, the family of the Shephumites, of Hufam, the family of the Hufamites. The sons of Bela were Ard and Naaman, of Ard, the family of the Ardites, of Naaman, the family of the Namites. These are the sons of Benjamin according to their families, and those who were numbered of them were forty five thousand six hundred. These are the sons of Dan, according to their families. Of Shuham, the family of the Shuhamites. These are the families of Dan, according to their families. All the families of the Shuhamites, according to those who were numbered of them, were 64,400. The sons of Asher, according to their families. Of Imna, the family of the Imnites. Of Ishvi, the family of the Ishvites of Bariah, the family of the Barites, of the sons of Bariah, of Heber, the family of the Hebrites, of Malchiel, the family of the Malchielites. The name of the daughter of Asher was Sarah. These are the families of the sons of Asher, according to those who were numbered of them. 53,400. The sons of Naphtali, according to their families. Of Jaziel, the family of the Jazielites. Of Guni, the family of the Gunites. Of Jazer, the family of the Jezerites. Of Shalem, the family of the Shilamites. These are the families of Naphtali, according to their families. And those who were numbered of them were 45,400. These are those who were numbered of the sons of Israel. six hundred and one thousand seven hundred. 30 then the lord spoke to moses saying among these the land shall be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names to the larger group you shall increase their inheritance and to the smaller group you shall diminish their inheritance each shall be given their inheritance according to those who were numbered of them but the land shall be divided by lot They shall receive their inheritance according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. According to the selection by lot, their inheritance shall be divided between the larger and the smaller groups. These are those who were numbered of the Levites according to their families. Of Gershon, the family of the Gershonites. Of Kohath, the family of the Kohathites. Of Merari, the family of the Merarites. These are the families of Levi, the family of the Libnites, the family of the Hebronites, the family of the Malites, the family of the Mushites, the family of the Korites. Kohath became the father of Amram. The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And she bore to Amram Aaron and Moses and their sister Miriam. To Aaron were born Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. Those who were numbered of them were twenty three thousand, every male from a month old and upward, for they were not numbered among the sons of Israel, since no inheritance was given to them among the sons of Israel. These are those who were numbered by Moses and Eliezer the priest, who numbered the sons of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron the priest, who numbered the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, They shall surely die in the wilderness. And not a man was left of them, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua the son of Nun. Then the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, came near. And these are the names of his daughters, Malah, Noah, Hoglah, Milcah, and Tirzah. They stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the leaders, and all the congregation, at the doorway of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, yet he was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be withdrawn from among his family, because he had no son?" Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad are right in their statements. You shall surely give them a hereditary possession among their father's brothers, and you shall transfer the inheritance of their father to them. Further, you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his nearest relative in his own family, and he shall possess it and it shall be a statutory ordinance to the sons of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up to this mountain of Abarim, and see the land which I have given to the sons of Israel. When you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother was. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command, to treat me as holy before their eyes at the water. These are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who will go out and come in before them, and who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and commission him in their sight. You shall put some of your authority on him, in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Moreover, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest." who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his command they shall go out, and at his command they shall come in, both he and the sons of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Psalm 36 For the Choir Director A Psalm of David, the Servant of the Lord Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for it flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Your lovingkindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have been thrust down and cannot rise. Okay, there were some pretty interesting things that happened today, so let's take a look at what we read more carefully. In chapter 24, we see the end of Balaam's prophecies. And yes, they are prophecies because of this particular chapter. We see many different things that he foretells in Israel's history that he wasn't even aware he was predicting. And this is coming from Balaam, who, as you can tell by his personality and his character, he is not a fully invested prophet of God. He is what some would call a prophet for hire where he has somewhat of a relationship with God, but it's not a full investment in the things of God. And this will make more sense as we go into the book of Numbers, because we will see Balaam again one more time after this story. So in chapter 24, we have Balaam seeing that God is not going to change his mind. He is going to continue to bless Israel, and Balaam should give up on trying to curse them. And when he lifted up his eyes and he saw Israel camping, then the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was able to see a vision that was unhindered. It was, as he said, with his eyes uncovered, meaning that it was a spiritual vision that had extreme clarity to it. So what did he see? He saw that God was going to cause the Israelites to prosper. For example, in verse six, it says, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens beside the river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the water. Those are all illustrations of fertility and prosperity. So he is predicting that Israel is going to have a prosperous time. Then in verse seven, it mentions that his king shall be higher than Agag. Agag is a king that is being named hundreds of years before he's actually born. King Agag is someone that we're going to meet in 1 Samuel chapter 15, whom Samuel himself is going to kill. Not only is Balaam predicting military victory for Israel, but he named a king by name hundreds of years before he was born. Besides this, I only know of, I think, two other times when God does this, where he is naming someone well before they are born to confirm that his prophecies are true. So that is very interesting. Then Balaam goes back to Balak, and they have another argument, and Balak basically gives up. And then Balaam has a greater vision. In verse 15, through the rest of the chapter, he sees four different predictions for Israel. First of all, it says at the beginning, in verse 17, that a star will come forth from Jacob, and a scepter shall rise from Israel. Those are illustrations of royalty and kingship. And in this case, we know who that is. That is our Messiah. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is predicting Jesus here. Secondly, he is predicting victory over particular groups of people namely the Moabites, Edom, the Amalekites, and then he blesses the Kenite people who are going to live among the Israelites. Then, in verse 22, it mentions Ashur. Ashur is another name for Assyria, and Assyria is going to be a major opponent of Israel in the future. When the kingdom of Israel is divided into two, then the northern kingdom of Israel is going to be conquered by Assyria, and then Assyria is going to be conquered by Babylon, and Babylon is going to capture the southern kingdom of Judah. All of this is being predicted in the book of Numbers. Very, very interesting. And then the fourth thing that we see in verse 24 is that there's going to be an affliction of Assyria and the Hebrews by people from the Mediterranean area. Look what it says. But ships shall come from the coast of Kittim, and they shall afflict Ashur, and will afflict Eber. So they also will come to destruction. There are two peoples that come from the Mediterranean that come to mind. The first would be the Greeks. The Greeks are going to come in the form of Alexander the Great and this is also predicted heavily in the book of Daniel. The second group that comes from that area is the Romans. So even back before Israel became a solid country, Balaam is seeing all of this, and he is just a prophet for hire. This is someone who isn't even fully invested in the things of God, and he has shown marvelous things for Israel. But unfortunately, it's not going to change his heart. And you're going to see why here in a minute. Because in verse 25, we see that Israel started to mess around with the Moabites, despite God telling them not to intermingle with these other peoples. Why? Because they are going to corrupt them. They're going to cause them to worship other gods. And so these women started enticing the men. What it doesn't say and we're going to see that in a couple of chapters later, is that Balaam is the one who did it. He is the one who incited these people to intermix with Israel. So that's what I'm talking about, how he is a prophet for hire. He saw that God was not going to curse Israel. So by some sneaky, underhanded way, he tried to mess them up anyway. And how he did it? Hit them at their core their worship of God. I am amazed by his heart condition. It is disgusting, and I don't know why God would show such marvelous things to him when it's all going to be wasted on him, you know? We get to see it. It was preserved for us, but yet at the same time, he's not going to really take heed of it. So I don't understand why it happened that way, but it did. So they started worshiping Baal. God, of course, is very upset about this. And so he says to take all the people who are doing this and execute them in broad daylight to make an example out of them. Then it says that one of the Israelites brought a Midianite woman into his tent, and they're going to mess around and stuff. And you see Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron. He takes a spear. And he goes and he takes care of business. He hated the sin that is against God going on here. And more so, it was right in front of their eyes. It says that these two people passed right in front of the tent of meeting. Like there was no shame, there was no subtlety about it, just open, flagrant sin. And so we see Phinehas be zealous for the things of God so he takes a spear and he runs them both through. God is pleased with what Phinehas did, not because he condones murder, but because that was an act of justice. He knew that God was offended by this, and he defended God's ways by taking care of the problem. It is written in God's law that if you profane God's name or you do so many different things, that you are worthy of death. And so he does it, and God blesses Phinehas. His bloodline is going to be the high priest bloodline moving forward because of his zeal for God's house. So as a result of all this going on, God declares that Moab is an enemy of Israel and not to intermix with them and not to do anything with them except be hostile toward them. Then in chapter 26, we see yet another census being conducted. Now, you would think this is just the same census over again, but it's not. But the reason why we know this is a different census is because of what is said at the end of the chapter. It says that in verse 63, these are those who were numbered by Moses and Eleazar the priest who numbered the sons of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these, there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron the priest. None of these people were in the original census. So what is that telling us? That is telling us that this is at the end of the 40 years, which means, by God's appointment, that all the original generation that left Egypt are now dead. They all passed away in the wilderness And this is the new generation of Israelites that are being numbered here. So that is a significance about this particular census, because it is accounting for the people who were raised in the wilderness. This is the new generation of Israelites that are going to go into the Promised Land. The only old guys that are in the whole camp are Moses and Caleb and Joshua. Everyone else is much younger than them because of what God had designed for them because of their rebellion at the border of the Promised Land. Then in chapter 27, God establishes a law of inheritance. There was a special circumstance that came to God's counsel, and it was about a family name that was going to end because this particular family did not have any sons. They did not have any males to carry on the family name. So the daughters of this family line came to Moses and asked about getting an inheritance, even though they weren't male. And God allowed them to have an inheritance just like a man would. And then there are some guidelines and conditions as to how to handle the laws of inheritance if any of these strange situations came up again. And then the last thing that we saw in today's reading is the appointment of Joshua as the next leader of Israel. He is given the authority of Moses as being his successor. Moses did not want the people to be without a leader. And if we have been watching, we haven't seen Joshua stand out too much throughout the 40 years, but every time you see his name mentioned, he is right next to Moses in everything that is going on, meaning that he is faithful and loyal to Moses and to the Lord. And he is one of the two spies that went into the land and said a good report about it that God was able to conquer the people and make them prosper and not to be afraid. Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that lived at the end of the forty years because they were the only ones. That were faithful to God. So we now have a new leader in place because Moses is eventually going to die and he is not going to enter the promised land because of what he did in front of all the people. Now, going into the Psalms, Psalm 36 is more about the schemes of wicked men. We've been seeing this a lot, haven't we? David is constantly under attack, he is constantly being oppressed. Is constantly being challenged. And yet, against this backdrop, if you will, of evil schemes and wicked men and all that, David is praising God in the midst of it. He recognizes that God is always working. He works for you and me on our behalf, for salvation, for redemption, for peace, for safety. He's doing all these things for us, because he has a deep love for us. He desires to protect us, and so he petitions God to continue in this protective love, and he is confident that God is able to defeat the wicked. It may not always seem like they're going to be served justice, but God is a God of justice, and they will get what's coming to them. That much is certain. There are a few good verses in chapter 36 to memorize, but the one that I want to work on today is going to be verse 10. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Just like in the Exodus, we have a group of people who were faithful to God, and God preserved them. They got to learn who God was, they got to fellowship with Him and God blessed them with loving kindness and peace. And yet those that rebelled against God were destroyed. They did not enjoy God's presence the same way. And this is along the same lines as what we saw in the Exodus. And that thought process carries over into what we see in the Psalms. We see that David understands who God is, and he knows that God is able to preserve him. God is not oblivious to the Evil of mankind, and he is going to exact his justice in his timing. David has confidence in that. And in the same way, we need to know who God is. The verse says that you will continue your loving kindness to those who know you. And this isn't just talking about calling yourself a Christian, this is talking about somebody who knows who God is by learning about his character, by reading scripture, by spending time with him in prayer and having developed that relationship with God to where sin cannot penetrate our soul. That is not easy to do, but yet faithfulness to God is one of the best things that you could do in the entire world. God is faithful to his people, and he wants us to be faithful to him, and he will do amazing things through you. It also says in this verse that your righteousness is to the upright in heart, meaning those who are morally excellent are the ones who enjoy your righteousness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit within us gives us that righteousness. We have been sanctified by the blood of Christ, and we are declared righteous for his sake. But in ourselves, we are not righteous. But the more that we live with moral excellence then we can be declared righteous, because we are reflecting the light of Christ. So let that be a challenge for us in the days ahead. And with that, I will stop for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.